Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Episode of the Power Ranking Show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your championship finals info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as they have you covered for all of your insider sports wagering needs from basketball to hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing. It is the fastest and the easiest way. To get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home, get into the action today. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Well, that's a pretty good read. I mean, that's better than uh, I would say it was Pro Bowl level, Pro Bowl alternate. Yeah, there there you go. Tyler Harley level. Yeah. Marcus underscore underscore Mosher. This is the Power Rankings podcast, aka the Power Rankings show. You know what I haven't done in a really long time is done this with the light and then looked at you and gone, I am so scared. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I'm done with that. Uh, So if you didn't catch our podcast uh, yesterday, we did uh, some MVP stuff and it was actually kind of cool because at first I thought I was going to be bored with Marcus's takes but then I found it to be actually interesting because I didn't realize how crazy some of the odds were and so uh you know it's always kind of interesting to hear Marcus uh delve into that but today I'm um I'm very interested but skeptical I'm very skeptical because we're we're this is a total going off the path here Marcus Put, he likes to put together spreadsheets, okay? And I'm talking about you like you're not here. But he likes to put together these little spreadsheets. And occasionally we talk about greatest things of all time. And we did the top, his top 25 wide receivers uh, mm-hmm. last year. This year, he decided to do his top eight defensive players of all time. And he was telling me about one guy who he really wanted to squeeze on the list, who I don't think made the list after all. So we decided, hey, why not just do a pod on it? So today you are literally getting Marcus's top eight defensive players of all time. I see the helmet graphics. I got to know, like, what your criteria was. You know, what do you put as the most important thing? Because there's a, when it comes to defensive players, there's dominance, there's longevity, there's whether they were named defensive player of the year, yep. uh, whether they were good enough to be considered kind of like overall MVP players. You also are a big versatility honk. I am. You like guys that can play inside and outside on the defensive line. You like guys that that play special teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'll shut up and quit talking. But I'm no, curious. I mean, thinking you nailed doing. And this is really hard because you're looking at like 60, 70, 80 years of NFL history and trying to cross compare these guys from eras and at different positions. Like, how do you 
How do you rank a strong safety versus a three, four outside linebacker and say which one is better? So this is very much an inexact science. A lot of this is just the guys that I like to watch the most and I thought were the most dominant. And that was kind of my criteria is when I watch them on my screen, do they jump off the screen? And for the most part, all eight of these guys do. So uh, listen, I know I left a lot of good guys off this, a lot of Hall of Fame players, players who are the arguably the best ever at their respective position. I understand that. Uh, but here's the list. Yeah, listen, let's give you an easy out right away, okay? Right away. We know there doesn't have to be anyone pre-19, like, 95, because the game's bigger, faster, stronger now. That's, that's true. No, so, there are, so all I, those I tr- guys stink. Anybody I, that played pre-95 automatically was a truck driver. I tried to at least get somebody from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s on the list, right? So we can be well represented. Um, now, you could make a case that I put should have put a few more players in the 60s and 70s on this list, uh, but we'll jump into it. We'll start at number eight, Elliot. Wait a minute, but I got I to gotta stop you. I have to defend truck drivers because when I worked the NFL, whenever somebody would talk about a 1950s player or whatever, they'd be like, yeah, but they were playing against truck drivers. It was yeah. always truck drivers. Do you know how good an athlete you've got to be to be a truck driver? Do you not know how hard it is to drive uh, America's highways for 12, 14 hours? I feel like truck drivers get a really bad rap. I bet your truck drivers are a lot tougher than some of the guys on your list. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. One of my Uh, good friends is a truck driver. Yeah, no shot at player number seven on here. Uh, Let's go to (laughs) number eight for the Baltimore Ravens. It's Ed Reed. I think he's the best free safety of all time. One of the most dynamic safeties that we've ever seen, 64 career interceptions. Uh, I, I mean, the instincts were out of this world. He was a playmaker. He made plays on special teams. And whenever he had the ball in his hands, he was absolutely electric. What I love the most about him is first three years of his career, 21 interceptions, just unbelievable. So one of two things happened here, okay? There's a guy that's not on this list that Marcus very badly wanted to put on this list. And we'll save him. Don't don't mention him. I'm not going to mention him. I'm not going to mention him, but he would have been number eight. So either one of two things happened. Either I guilted Marcus into this Ed Reed pick, which is very far from likely, or Marcus is heavily, heavily biased when it comes to Ed Reed. Like Marcus loves him. That's exactly what it is. He's one of my favorite defensive players of all time. But I think when we were going over, the guy that you really wanted on here and you asked me, Hey, what do I thought? I, by the way, I don't know what Marcus's list is. I only know the one guy that we discussed and Marcus said, what do you think about him as a top eight defensive player? I think the first guy I mentioned, I was like, if you want to go somebody kind of from his era, I would go this guy over Ed Reed over the guy Marcus really wanted to put on the list. So we'll get to him when we're done. Uh, Just real quick on Ed Reed, a very big threat with a ball in his hands. Uh, I still remember the 2000, I believe it was 2004, was it 2008, Philadelphia. Uh, they played him at Baltimore. I think it was eight, because I think it was a Kevin Cobb pass. He intercepted the back in the end zone and took it back 108 yards uh, for a touchdown. Also remember him completely tricking Peyton Manning on a deep ball in like 2009, where yep. he sold him that he was going to cover the middle of the field. And then he came back around. It was really cool on the top 100 they did on NFL Network. Uh, they talked, Bill Belichick talked about this play and how it was one of the best plays he had ever seen. And I had been, I think, in the Red Zone studios for that play and was like, man, uh, you know which play I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. 
Uh, Unbelievable. I, I got a question for you. What do you consider, yeah. like, in the 2000s, a lot of interceptions in a single season? Seven. That's seven. a that's a ton, yeah, for this era. I, yeah. I agree. Ed Reed had seven or more interceptions five different times in his NFL career. Yeah. I, just real quick, he sold Peyton Manning that he was going to go cover the deep center of the field, and he had done that, uh, you know, on the game film. So Peyton Manning thought, if I pump fake him here in the center – then I'm going to get him on the uh, the corner route towards the flag to Reggie Wade. And Ed Reed instinctively knew that Peyton Manning had seen that on the tape. So Ed Reed acted like he bit on Peyton Manning's pump fake by taking one step to the center of the field, and then he whirls around and runs to the corner yep. to cover it. I hope I did a decent job explaining that. It was genius play. Last anyway. thing, 13 career touchdowns for Ed Reed, which is just yeah, ridiculous for safety. Total, total threat. Football IQ off the charts. Football IQ like Troy Palomalu. That's a guy he gets compared to a lot, although they were different players. Yep. Uh, but but let's go to number seven because I think we got another defensive back here. If this is Claude Humphrey with the Falcons logo, I'm going to be shocked. It, it's not. It's a guy that's actually just over my shoulder here. It's Deion Sanders here at number seven. And actually, I think a lot of people would be surprised that he's this low, uh, but he had to be on the list. I, I think, the, for my money, the best pure cover corner of all time. I you mentioned how much I love versatility. One of the things that I love so much about Dion early in his career, played receiver, you could use him on punt returns, kick returns, you could do end reverses with him. And just like Ed Reed, absolutely electric with the ball in his hands. Uh I mean teams were terrified to throw at him because they knew if he picked it off, he was taking it to the house. Ed Reed 13 career touchdowns, Dion Sanders 22 career touchdowns. Uh he's got to be on the list. Yeah, I think Dion might be the second best corner I've ever seen. Um, I don't know that I ha- have him in the top eight. I, he would probably be in my top 10. I think I did this. Didn't you say you looked and I had this list for NFL.com mm-hmm. from, and I think, where did I have Dion? I think it was right then? at eight. Yeah. Yeah. So he would be very, very close. Uh, so I'm not disrespecting. I think seven is fine for him. Um, the guy that I would have uh, maybe over him is not on your list. I could mention him later, but uh, I have no qualms with this whatsoever. Ed Reed and Dion both tremendous threats. You know, you, you didn't want them picking the ball off. So the guy that I have at number six is one of the hardest debates I have, putting Dion or Rod Woodson, uh, slotting those two guys. I have Rob Woodson at six. I actually, I, you convinced me on having Rob Woodson at, at, at six. I mean, the longevity part of this matters, right? He play, he played 238 games in the NFL. He played with it was 17 years, and there was just a stretch from 1989 to 1994 where you just lock him in as an all-pro selection every single year. He played corner, transitioned to free safety late in his career with Baltimore, made four straight Pro Bowls as a free safety. Rob Blitzen makes the list. Yeah, I obviously I have no issue with this one now. When I said Dion's probably the second best corner I've ever seen, Rod is not number one. But I think Rod was a better overall football player than a lot of guys because Rod could play corner. Rod could force against the run. Rod was a great safety for the Raiders and the Ravens. Uh, let's not forget, he was a key part of that Raiders Super Bowl team against Tampa. And that was year 16, Marcus. Yeah, he was 38. He's 38 years old as an all-pro safety for the Raiders. Um, And then uh, Rod was actually a really good kick returner Mm -hmm. early in his career. I think in 89, he made the Pro Bowl as a kick returner. 
So Rod could do it all. Uh, so led, I have no problems with this. Led the NFL, yeah, led the NFL in kick return yards in uh, 1989. So pretty impressive. Yep, that was Just a special, yeah. special athlete. He's also right. one of the only players that we've ever seen have a major knee injury when he tore his ACL early in the year and ended up coming back yep. for the playoffs. I, 95. We have, we have not seen that happen since. Yeah, you know, uh, he's very similar to like a Tyreek Hill or a Patrick Peterson or a Tyler Lockett. I'm trying to think of another guy who basically the team pulls him off a kick returns. We know you're great at it, but we don't want you to get hurt doing this. I'm, I can't think of another guy right Tony now. Tony Brown, three. right? Julian yeah, Edelman yeah. was the same way. Yeah, you just you don't want to you don't want to lose them to that. So I, I get it. Okay, number five, we got a Cowboys graphic here. Okay, so I know it's Micah Parsons. Uh, so wh- what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean it's a little early for Micah Parsons. No, it's uh, we did need to have somebody at least from the '60s, and we put Bob Lilly here. Now, if you're going to make the argument of like Bob Lilly against Deacon Jones and Mean Joe Green, I think the argument for Bob Lilly is that he was just so consistent. And he played forever, right? He had 11 Pro Bowls in his career. Not only was he on the all-decade team in 1960, but he was also on the all-decade team in the 70s as well. Um, Now, we don't have super official sack numbers, but I think the estimate's like around 100. And that's a lot for a defensive tackle. So from 1964 to 1969, he made the Pro Bowl and the All-Pro team every single year. He was a Pro Bowl selection from 1964 to 1973 every single season uh he comes in at number five yeah i'll try not to deep dive here on bob Lilly, but i got a lot of grief when i put him pretty high on my list top 10 because people hate the cowboys and i'm like okay well it's not my fault you don't know football history you just yeah sorry that's my snob comment uh of the podcast i might have another one later uh, a couple things on bob Lilly. number one he was a defensive end his first three years he was playing out of position that's why he didn't make the pro bowl Early in the Cowboys were awful. They were an expansion team. Bob Lilly was their first draft choice in 61 ever. Um, he had a bad back. So by 74, he was still a really great player, but he was having a hard time with his back. He was in year 14. Um, I think that was, he didn't make the Pro Bowl that year. Um, but Lilly's primary responsibility was to stop the run. And he played in a defense called the Flex, where he actually played off the line a little bit to read. He didn't get to attack aggressively like Aaron Donald gets to all the time. Mm-hmm. That's why Bob Lilly didn't have big sack numbers. But I know when Bill Walsh in 1999 for Sporting News gave his top four players of all time, they were Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, and Bob Lilly. So, uh, you know. I'm, I'm going to listen to Bill Walsh, so yep. I have zero problem. I, so far, I think this list is great. I'm actually mildly shocked. Yeah, well, thank you. I do <laughs> 15 minutes of actual work It'll yesterday. Work. Uh, All right, number four, Ronnie Lott. What, yeah. One of the reasons that I have Ronnie Lott so high is I value the guys that could play in any era, whether that's in the 60s and the 70s or the 80s and 90s or in today's game, and I can't think of a player that would be – better in today's game than Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott started his career as a cornerback. Then he transitioned to free safety later in his career. And then by the end of his career playing strong safety, you could play him in the box. You could play him in the slot. You could play him outside. Wherever he played, he was going to be an all-pro player. I think he's the best defensive back at all time. And that's why I have him at number four. Yeah. With Ronnie Lott, you're talking about one of the, first of all, one of the greatest rookie seasons in the history of the league the guy comes in for the 49ers. He plays at corner. Uh, we know he would make his ultimate career at safety. He has three interceptions for touchdowns 
uh, his rookie year. I think he had nine interceptions as a rookie. He makes all pro, uh, and the 49ers won the Super Bowl. I mean, that's about as good a rookie season as you can have. He made the Pro Bowl his first four years in the league at corner. Uh, Finally, in 85, they realized, look, this this guy is a stud against the run. You're talking about a corner getting 100 tackles, okay? Mm -hmm. And he didn't really have great speed. So they eventually moved him to safety later that year in 85. By 86, he became the best safety in the league and ended up making several all-pro teams as a safety Played a really long time. Um, I, you know, there's nothing bad you could say about the guy, the ultimate enforcer. The only problem with him playing in any era is a lot of his hits in the 80s went up in illegal. Yeah, exactly. But uh, just in a, in a team leader, too, I should say. Yeah. The 49ers are not the 49ers without Ronnie Lott. I, I would also say, I, I really value the guys that are like the all decade team, right? Because it just matters. Yeah. Like, you need to be the best player at your position during a decade to be on this list. And he was it twice, yeah. right? He was on the 80s and the 90s all-decade team. So Ronnie Lott comes in at number three. That, that's my only problem, I will say, is... I the 91 was it, a... Eh. Yeah, a little reputation. Honestly, I thought Woody should have made that list instead of him uh, because Woody played the entire decade. But Darren Woodson, as much as I love him, was not as uh, impactful a player as Ronnie Lott. And Darren Woodson would be the first one to tell you that. Uh, let's go to uh, number three. Staying in the NFC West, I think I know who this is. Yeah, and it's our first current player, right? It's uh, well, yeah. our only current player. Aaron Donald. Um, you and I have talked about Aaron Donald, where he should be at on this list. And we've kind of argued whether he should be at number two or number three. But I think as of right now, Three is the right spot for him. For my money, he's the best pure defensive tackle we've ever seen. Uh, despite being pretty undersized for the position, I mean, he's just unstoppable. And I think the Super Bowl run in 2021, when he was so great in the playoffs, he made the game-winning play in the Super Bowl, really cemented his legacy. Uh, and again, I think he deserves to be here at number three. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year uh, award winner, which is awfully impressive. Um kind of a knifer as a player, like Mm -hmm. knife through the guard in the center. Uh, Not really the space eating kind of defensive tackle. And ironically, I think because of that, um, he's kind of a throwback to an earlier era because of his size and the way that he could play defensive tackle. Because when he came out, what was he, 280? 285, I think, yeah. Yeah, at at Pitt. So I know you're shocked I actually got his college. That's that's a first. Uh, But... uh, you know, when I was talking about Bob Lilly and his responsibilities, that was not to take away from Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald plays in the era he's in, the way it's supposed to, the position supposed to be played, just like Bob Lilly played the position the way it was supposed to be played in the era that he was in. Yeah. The thing that I lament and I joke with Marcus all the time privately is 20 years from now, people are going to be like, oh, the game's bigger, faster, stronger now. Aaron Donald couldn't play with these guys. Yeah, give me a yeah. break. Okay, let's go to number two. I know who this is. Number two, Reggie White. So if you you just had Reggie White's eight-year career in Philadelphia, that's a Hall of Fame player that probably makes this list. Maybe not at two, but he definitely makes the list. In those eight years, 124 sacks. uh, Gosh. I I believe six all-pro selections during that time. Made the Pro Bowl every single year outside of his rookie season where he was still absolutely dominant. 13 sacks during his rookie season. Just phenomenal. Then he goes to Green Bay uh, at the age of 32. And in six years with the Packers, he has 68 and a half sacks. And then he plays with the Panthers at the end of his career, five and a half sacks. 
198 career sacks. He's got one of the most unstoppable pass rush moves that we've ever seen. If you go watch some of those old videos with John Madden talking about the hump move, it's so cool to watch. I think my favorite play ever is him just tossing Chris Carter to the side. Uh, Reggie White, best, I'm going to say, pure defensive end in NFL history. Oh, man. On Thanksgiving, the the famous Jason Garrett, Brett Favre duel in 94 in the first half, they had to play Larry Allen at right tackle. It was so bad. Oh, my gosh. He literally throws Larry Allen. The strongest player in NFL history just throws Yeah, who was 335 pounds. And it was just awesome. Reggie White could play inside. He could play outside. Um, If I'm not mistaken, so he played in 1984. I think he played for the Memphis Showboats, I believe, in the uh, USFL. But I think he also played in spring 85 for the Showboats. Mm -hmm. So that 13 sack season that you're talking about for Philadelphia was in the fall. That's a lot of football, Uh, you know, but by 86, he was maybe the best defensive end in the game. 87, he had 21 sacks in 12 games. Uh, I think in 98 with the Packers, when he's already in his mid thirties, he had like, I want to say 15 sacks, something like that. Yeah. That's ridiculous, man. He had multiple sacks against Drew Bledsoe in Super Bowl 31. The only disingenuous thing here. Is I know Marcus really wanted to put Aaron Donald above Reggie White because he has tried to argue that with me before. No, I, 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 I think I think it's possible that Donald gets there. It's just it's yeah. hard to project the way the rest of the career goes for Aaron Donald. Like if he plays for six more years and has fifty five more sacks, then I think we can have that conversation. And I I would put him there, but we just don't know what the rest of Aaron Donald's career is going to look like. Does he get to number one? No, no, I don't. I can't see anybody passing number one for a long time. So let's uh, let's roll her out. It's Lawrence Taylor, right? I mean, he's the gold standard for defensive players because, as you told us on last night's podcast, he's one of three players ever to win the NFL MVP award despite being a defensive player. Um, he is the most dominant football player I have ever seen, not just on defense, just overall, I mean, you had to know where he was at at all times. He changed the way teams played offense. He changed the way teams valued left tackles, right? Because before left tackles were always valuable, but now you have to have somebody that's athletic enough to keep up with the Lawrence Taylor, but also powerful enough to handle him in the run game. At 142 sacks. I know that feels a little bit low compared to some of these other guys, but I'm telling you, he is absolutely dominant. Well, a couple of things, uh, a lot of things on Lawrence Taylor. First of all, his responsibilities when he came into the league were not to rush the passer all the time. And, you know, he had nine and a half sacks as a rookie, which may not, you know, fire up your jets. But, dude, you know, for a guy that's having to cover the back out of the backfield again in 1981, your first responsibility as an outside backer is the run. Uh, and you're still picking up nine and a half sacks. Yeah, uh, it, that's pretty awesome. I think every team in the league would take a rookie outside edge rusher getting nine and a half sacks. Um, a couple other things on Lawrence Taylor. 1984, I watched. Well, okay, 83, I watched tape of him against Washington, and Joe Gibbs literally was not going to let the man beat him. He mm. he <laughs> he triple teamed him, and when I say triple teamed him, I mean legitimately triple teamed him. It was like a little mob around Lawrence mm-hmm. Taylor. He's the only guy I've ever seen single handedly win a football game. I did a YouTube video on it. Check it out. It's on YouTube. It's 1982 against the Lions. It's a five minute video, and it'll just blow your mind. Uh, 1984. This is my favorite one ever. He plays Washington. They're in New York. 
the Giants are winning the game, you know, like 40 to 14 or something like this. This is a good Washington team. CBS runs a graphic that Lawrence Taylor has blitzed nine times in the game on 74 plays. Only nine times out of 74 defensive plays. In those nine plays, he had two sacks, <laughs> strip fumble, and uh, I don't remember how many tackles. And I asked you, I remember calling you, I don't know if you remember this, it said, hey, if the Cowboys defense played 70 plays on the field, how many of those would Micah Parsons be rushing the passer? I said conservatively 28. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, many, around there. Pass rushes. Okay. Around there. And Lawrence Taylor's getting two sacks in his nine rushes. He did not rush the passer all the time early in his career. He had to play inside linebacker in 1983 because of injuries for a few games. So Sports Illustrated named him first-team All-Pro inside linebacker and outside linebacker because he was great at that, too. The guy literally could do it all. Last thing, 88 against the Saints. The Giants have to have the game. Taylor has a separated shoulder. They had to put him in a harness. And one-handed, he beats the Saints tackle and gets like two and a half sacks. And uh, it's awesome. It's on YouTube. It's awesome. Best defensive game I've ever seen by any player. This is an easy number one. Yeah, there you go. So overall, what's your biggest complaint with the list? Not a lot, bro. Not a lot. Now, I I, I gotta. I, I think I'd have Dion a little bit lower. Um, okay, can I tell you the one thing I had? Yeah, is, yeah, I had a really hard time leaving Mean Joe Green and Deacon yes. Jones off the list. But it, yes, it, part of it too is for me. I just didn't get to watch those guys as much. Now, Bob Lilly, Bob Lilly is just to me. He's a, a tier above those guys, and I think you have to keep him on the list. That's just not me being a Cowboys honk or anything like that. It's just I think. He was so much better that he's got to be on here. But, man, it was hard leaving him and those two guys and Dick Buckus off this list. I've got Mean Joe and Bob Lilly kind of on a par. Uh, Deacon Jones, I think, is is he's an isolated guy. He is a unique dude in NFL history, and he was a sack machine. Absolutely, I think he had 100 sacks in a five-year period in the 60s. Um, I think I would probably – put two of those guys, those two guys on and leave off your seven and eight. But if I left off your seven and eight, they would be nine and 10. So that's why I don't really, I'm talking about Dion and Ed Reed and you can't have all defensive linemen on the list either. And we, we've got no middle linebackers. So there's no Joe Schmidt here. There's no Dick Buckus here. There's no Mike Singletary here. There's no Ray Lewis, Patrick Willis, who Marcus and I think if he played longer uh, could make a really good argument for this list as well. Um, just a couple other names, random names real quick. Merlin Olson was an insanely great player uh, for the Rams. Gino Marchetti, a great Colts defensive end from the 50s. From our era, the guy that Marcus left off that we really debated on the phone was J.J. Watts. So you just want to mention him for a minute and what you were thinking yeah, there? Yeah, because I care so much about the peak of your career. Like how how well do you do in a three- or four-year run when you're at the peak of your powers and J.J. Watt was as good as anybody. From 2012 to 2015, he had 69 sacks, uh, including 10 forced fumbles, 190 QB hits. I mean, he was just absolutely dominant. He was an all-pro selection all four years. Batted balls. A lot batted, of batted balls. Oh, yeah. gosh, yeah. 41 pass deflections. And he was a defensive player of the year three times during that four-year stretch. Yeah, batted balls are important, and it's more about timing than it is your size and knowing when that quarterback's going to throw the ball. I would have J.J. Watt 
probably at 11. That's tough. 11 or 12. But I would be willing to hear an argument for that. When Marcus talked to me about it, I I offered Ed Reed over J.J. Watt. I just think it's a lot harder for a defensive back to win defensive player of the year than it is for a defensive lineman. Sure, um, but uh, other than that, man, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm probably missing a couple of guys. Um, but I think overall, I mean, I could name some guys from the 40s and 50s. I'm not going to do that here. But, but uh, well, M. Tunnel is a guy, 79 sure. interceptions, but it's not your fault. Um, but let me just say this. Uh it is so hard for defensive players to stand out or be named MVPs of the league that when they play at that kind of level, like Aaron Donald has or Reggie White has or Lawrence Taylor, you're literally talking about guys that should be considered as the greatest players of all time. And they're always lag behind Tom Brady, Jerry Rice, Jim Brown, Walter Payton. Um, That's tough because if you're talking for one game, who's the most impressive player I've ever seen, it's probably LT. I don't yeah. know that I would have him number one, but he certainly would make my top five greatest players ever. Uh, last thing before we head out, Elliot, if there's one active player in the NFL outside of Aaron Donald that has the best chance to make this list, who would it be for you? Well, this is going to be awfully, awfully, awfully premature. But when a defensive back comes into the league and they're the best corner in the game as a rookie, that really raises my eyebrows because I've never seen that before. I've never seen a corner. Dion was not the best corner in the league in 89 when he came in. Sauce Gardner, was he not the best corner in the league last year? I, yep. I, I've i never seen that before. Um, I think the easy answer for me to give you would be Miles Garrett. Maybe even, obviously, Micah. I think Fred Warner, by the way, Given again, his assignments are to cover uh, a lot of times cover downfield. It's different. He's not going to get the sacks, but I got to go with Sauce Gardner. I've never seen that before. That may be an odd answer, but that's my answer. The the only one that I'll say has a chance for me would be Von Miller, just because. Oh yeah, he's, he's already on the All Decade team from the 2010s. He's won two Super Bowls. Now I wonder how this injury is going to affect him, but he's got the sack totals already. He's been a Super Bowl MVP. If the if the next three or four years go really well and like Buffalo wins a Super Bowl because he plays really well, I think he has a chance to sneak in here. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the next date. I said I would do the next date on the running backs, and I didn't. I think I'm going to do the next okay, date uh, on this, working off your list. But uh, that's it for us today. If you want to uh, learn about any more of Cowboys history, listen to Locked On Cowboys. Uh, he, Marcus does that with Landon McCool. He also does a Dynasty podcast, uh, also, which is kind of cool. And he also covers the Raiders for USA Today. Raiders Wire. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. And we will talk to you guys either tomorrow or the next day. Take care, everybody. 